I am your dear brother, you dub The Fat Daddy Stat. And I'm with this shit, who's always with this shit. And this is on a lighter note. How y'all doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, bro. How are you? You know what? I, I went to um, a premiere yesterday for uh, Really Love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Netflix. It's on Netflix now. Uh, a good friend of mine, um, she directed it. That's what's up. It uh, definitely restored some feelings. I'll say that. Was you, uh, was you crying in the shower when you got home? Nah. So when I got home, this, this lady hit me on Hinge. And I was really? like, this is actually a good time. Man. It was good. It's a love story. And I'm a little bit hopeful now. And she's feeling frisky. He's feeling yeah. frisky. <laughs> he's feeling hope. frisky. Meanwhile, he's trying to fall in love. Right. She feeling frisky, though. Right. She had her profile. And as I'm talking to her, she was like, yeah, I got a couple kids. I'm like, you should probably put that in your profile, sis. I'm trying to tell people that all the time. Like, let me decipher if I want to talk to you or not based on the amount of kids that you got. Not that it, you know, I'm not knocking people with kids, but I am. I'm that because, you know, I, I think at a certain point, that's just what it is. But to hide your kids, to me, we starting off on the wrong foot because yes. now I'm looking at you like, can I trust this person? They just don't want to be automatically dismissed because they have kids. That's why they do that. Okay, but that's your reality. Yeah, your reality is kids, then let people know you got kids. But anyway, how, how was your week, uh, Whitney? Um, you know, I'm not even gonna lie. It was a little um, bittersweet. Uh, I turned 35 last week. You know, I'm almost as old as y'all. <laughs> I I did have a couple deaths in my family, though. So make sure you guys are taking care of yourselves. COVID is real. And it's definitely out here uh, getting people. Sorry to hear that. You know, very sorry to hear that. Just like Harold. Um, my week was cool. Um, I ain't did nothing. Going in the office twice a week. Um, it's been chill. My son last day at camp was last week. Um, so he been home with me all this week. The home me and my wife on the days that we are home from not working. So that's been a uh, an experience to have a little person running around calling your name all day. Um, no matter what you're doing. So that's been that's been a. a an experience, you know what I mean? He starts school next week, so we're excited and nervous about that at the same time. Mm-hmm. What kind of stuff y'all watching? Um, so I've been watching Power Book 3, which is about Kanan, which is 50 Cent's character on, on Power, on a regular Power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about his upbringing in Jamaica, Queens. So I've been enjoying that. Me too. What about y'all? Same thing, same thing. Malcolm Mays, he's, he's one of my favorite characters on that show. I don't know these people by their real names. Okay, right. Well, get it. Um, what is that? That's Lulu. Lulu. Oh, oh, Kevin from Snowfall. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I was watching that joint, man. I, I tell you what, after watching it, I upped my uh, age on him. <laughs> uh, the mother, I don't know her real name, but I was like, mm, she's kind of looking good there. <laughs> I got her accent, though. Yeah. Like, I see she's trying a New York accent. You know what I mean? She's working on it. I'm like, I'm wondering if she's British or something. Like, I don't know. It comes out at times like, eh. But I like her. I like her. Yeah, I like her too. I like how they writing for her, how they developing her. Um, Kanan is interesting to see, you know, as a young man, how he, you know, was kind of a timid kid at first. You know what I mean? Then we know how it, how it ended. You know what I mean? It's good to see those origin stories. For sure. I know. I don't know. So yeah, man, let's uh let's jump on topic if y'all are ready. I'm ready. Ready. Generational curses. And this is a uh episode that we've been kind of sitting on for a while. 
uh, we wanted to, to leave some room, I guess, because some of the other pods were a little heavier. Uh, but this is definitely something that we wanted to, to discuss. It was an earlier conversation we were having and um, Harold had said something uh, about his son and like not wanting certain things for his child um, that he may have endured. And as a result, I think that's how we came up with the topic. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Yeah, I will say that, you know, publicly, I have a lot of respect for you because of how you approach fatherhood. I appreciate that. Um, you, it was clear that your life had changed in a way and that you wanted to honor that and make sure that you were putting your kid first and you kind of really set the tone. So I, I don't know if you realize that, but you, you are encouraging a lot of other men to want to do better. I appreciate it. I appreciate it every time I hear it. Like, I don't even think about it like that because it's like, I just giving him what I would have wanted at that age. Just giving him everything that I think I needed. You know what I mean? And that's just being present, being there to teach him stuff, lying to him. Like I told him a billy goat out back when he was <laughs> back with his damn drawers on. Uh, <laughs> shit like that. You know what I mean? He'd be like, the billy goat? Yeah, the billy goat, nigga. Billy goat. <laughs> it's a billy goat. <laughs> I just try to be, you know, all of those things. You know what I mean? I remember the conversation vaguely that we were having. You know what I mean? Because I, I say it all the time. Like, I do a lot of stuff for him that I just want to change from when I was born. You know what I mean? Coming up. Um, like, fitness for one. Like, I keep him involved in sports a lot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just letting him run around so that, you know, he ain't a chubby little kid like I was. I'm just here. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You know no, nah, I really respect it, bro, to the, you know, the utmost. It. And um, that's really a selfless thing to do. I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. And, you know, I I know some other guys who came before me who taught me that I'm taking their lead on what they be doing. For sure. So. Yeah. No, I got, I got a couple of friends. You know John Tate. Yeah, that's my man. I was watching him with his kids. You know what I mean? That is a blessing. Like, every time I talk to him, I'm like, man, this is you blessing me by just – you know, being a friend and, you know, that's, those are my God kids, but just like seeing him with the kids, seeing how he interacts with them. It's, it's like a different take, not only on fatherhood, but just like masculinity in general. Yeah. I think it's great, man. Yeah. He's saying JT in a minute. I ran into his brother recently though. Yeah. It, same thing. His brother, you know, cut from the same cloth, man. Good dude. Yeah. I think they had that. They had a good father. You know what I mean? Lord rest his soul. I know he passed away. When they were younger, um, I think they they clearly had like a good father that that taught them those things, right? And that 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 is that's a, a actually a perfect segue, man. Like that's what we're here to change. I don't have kids yet, but you know you do. I have god kids and I have niece and nephews, and I try to change the narrative, at, at, you know, from what they see men to be. Um, but that's how we do it, you know, breaking these generational curses. Absolutely. Um, so let, let's start by, I guess, defining what is a, a generational curse. Let me use my reading skills and see if I can read it. A generational curse describes the cumulative effect on a person of things that their ancestors did, believed, or practiced in the past, and a consequence of an ancestor's actions, beliefs, and sins being passed down. Mm. So essentially, the sins of the father, the mm. child shall suffer. That's real. Okay. Getting biblical on me. Yeah, you know, I like that. It's a good book. You know, good <laughs> did you book. read the whole thing? I didn't, but I heard the guy dies when he comes back. <laughs> so I guess just to name a few 
I guess we won't touch on all of them, but we're touching on as many as we can. Absolutely. So like substance abuse, mental, physical, sexual abuse, sexual promiscuity, criminal behavior, poverty, I think is a generational curse. It is. Divorce. Um, all of those things are things that we see that are passed on and maybe we don't even know sometimes. Failure, parenting styles. So we can jump in there to really any of them. Right. I talk about, you know, the the, the poverty thing mm-hmm. because the position that I'm in in my day job is a job is a position that is in social services, what I was saying, you know, with the agencies and all of that. But the goal of the program that I work for is to get people out of generational poverty. Mm. So they want people to earn off of food stamps. You know what I mean? Because you realize that people who live sometimes in, a, in, in public housing, they it's generations of those people who have lived in that same house. Right. You know I mean, their grandmother lived there, their mother lived there, they lived there, their kids lived there now. So it's just generations of it. Um, and the goal of the program that I work for is to assist people with getting out of that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You can, you, can, you can find a job. Like I got a workforce development event that I'm doing on Tuesday with some people. You know what I mean? To try to assist people with getting out of that generational poverty because this is a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Some people like don't realize like that it's, you can live someplace else. Right. You can, you can do better for yourself. It's okay to to learn how to save money. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to spend it as soon as you get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but I work for a private bank. And one of the um, things that they try to do to um, get the community involved is um, they provide financial literacy programs. So they go around and, and you know, obviously teach kids and sometimes even adults like how to manage their money and, and things to look out for because, you know, that's just something that is not really taught in a lot of households. I know, you know, it wasn't really taught to me like that. I didn't know about that until I was like a smooth adult. Meanwhile, our parents were in school learning how to write checks and stuff like that, but they didn't necessarily have people teaching them how to how to manage a savings account. You know what I mean? So they didn't have the knowledge to be able to pass down to me. Right. And just cheat. That's how I learned how to save money. My family, we didn't talk about it at all. Um, that's something I had to learn our way. Credit. Yep. Like how much your credit can be changed by one mispayment. I know they say cash rules, but credit is right up there. You got bad credit, it changes everything. The rate, you trying to get that car, you have an $800 car note. Right, on a $10,000 car. Right. Like my mother was a person who, you know what I mean? She definitely probably had her financial woes at some point in life, but she's like the most stable person I know financially, like, and managing money and doing things like that. So she always kind of like gave me pointers that I ain't listened to. <laughs> like she tried to break that generational curse to say, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. But it was more so in passing, not like a real breakdown to say, hey, this is what they're going to do. This is the percentage they're going to give you because I need that. You know what I mean? I need it broken down that way. I ain't get that. And then I had to learn it the hard way. Right. At least she gave you the knowledge and then she told you what to do. I learned because my mom told me what not to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So she, her whole thing was just like, I made this mistake. Don't be like me. That's what she said. But I I still didn't listen. Some lessons you got to learn on your own. It's a cold Lessons have to be learned. That, that is a fact. One of the few positive things about the pandemic is some of the conversations have become a lot more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, I, and financial literacy, stocks, all of that stuff has been at the top of the, of, of the conversation. Right. Absolutely. 
I, I really love that because it's something I hadn't really paid attention to up until recently. Right. In the last five years, I guess. Right. I did the 401k and all that kind of stuff years ago and IRAs and all that, but I didn't know anything really about the stock. It's something I always wanted to do, but I know more people talking about Robinhood and Webull and all these other apps that now than ever. The conversation has been elevated beyond just the regular stuff that we normally talk about. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's why, you know, I respect people well, like, um, like the, there's a page called like the Wall Street Trapper. Like we actually tells you right. like how to, you know, make money in the stock market because a lot of us don't understand. One thing I do think that can really change the trajectory for a lot of us is cryptocurrency. Yes. Right. So many people came up off of Doge. And so it's so many other ones, Ethereum, Bitcoin. But if, if, if I would say anybody do anything, it, it's a look into cryptocurrency. I remember like when Twitter first, the first few years of Twitter popping off and people were talking about Bitcoin then. I just wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah, that's the one thing. The, I feel like we always late to the party. Yeah. And that's the goal with, with, with trying to break generational curses. We're trying to get these generational curses out here. So knowing then what you know now. You know what I mean? So that hopefully another generation does not repeat your uh, steps. With that being said, then where do you think generational curses begin? Like how far? I mean, it's kind of hard to say how far back, but. Right. But um, they go back. I know some of them in my family go back at least two to three generations. Okay. I think that generational curses, like they'll start from these previous generations and they gradually get better. Mm. I think they just gradually get better. Like, for instance, my grandmother went up to the sixth grade, all right? She went to the sixth grade. All of her six children, and this ain't no play on numbers, but the six and the six, all of her six children at least graduated from high school. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and then you think about generational curses, like, damn, nobody out of all of these people went to college. So I come along, and here I am. I'm the first one to go to college. Nice. So now that generational curse is broken. Right. So now my younger cousins, now I got, I'm the first one to go to college. Now I have at least four or five cousins, younger cousins who are either in college now or graduated from college because and it, and it stops with me like, Oh damn, Harold did this. You know what I mean? He went to college because that's where the conversation always goes for some reason. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when they, when they're talking about college, they come to me and ask me these questions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? About, about college. They came to see me in college. You know what I mean? So it's like, damn, he went to college. It's different. It's cool. You know right. what I mean? Like, so now that generational curse is broken. You know what I mean? You look at, like, I have a master's degree. My wife has a master's degree. So now my son, he at least has to get a master's degree mm. or doctorate. You know what I mean? Because you got to do better. Like I say, it's gradually better. You just uh, made a light bulb go off in my head. So do you guys think that um, if a generational curse is broken and it's picked back up again, is it still a generational curse? Like what happens if your cousin's kids don't go to college? I mean, college isn't for everybody, so don't get me don't get me wrong on that. But hopefully, they do something. Right. You know what I mean? I think we have the knowledge now to say to know better. I think the generational curses come when you just didn't know any better. That's what it is. They didn't. That's know. what it is. Yeah, um, I would say a lot of those generational curses started in slavery. Yeah, I agree. You know, same thing with education. Back then, it was illegal to learn. Right. Yeah, I think everything started there. Not just the education thing, but I mean, countless other things, how we parent, how, you know, we relate to one another. Everything that we listed, that was a generational curse 
had to have, to me, I feel like probably started around slavery. Yeah. All those habits, even like some people don't believe in whipping their kids. Some people feel like, you know, that was slavery. Um, I believe in whipping kids. Um, I'm not saying yeah. you got to pop a kid sometimes. I don't believe in beating kids where it's like a beat down. But I think sometimes you have to correct a child's misdeeds. Yes, it is. So everything is a lesson in life. Right. So you look at the kid because they did something wrong. So what if your kid internalizes that? If somebody does something wrong, mm. I have the right to put my hands on your on that person because they did something wrong. It's a good point. Very good point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't have kids, but I I, I spank my nephews and my nieces, you know, from time to time. But at a certain point, I didn't have to spank them anymore because they they just knew what it was. Right. Right. It's a last resort. It's a yeah. last resort. That's, that's a great point though and it's all in how a person perceives it right i think you gotta, it's got to be rooted in love like i think that's a really important part of, of of discipline in a child is like i'm not doing this because i hate you i'm doing this because you did something that wasn't you wasn't supposed to do when i love you and i don't want you to do it no more you know that's exactly what niggas would be the girls be saying when they'd be like no i hit you but i love you yep I don't, I mean, when I have kids, maybe my stance will change. Possibly. I mean, as a person with, with a child, you go into it like, I don't want to, I don't want to spank this person. Right. Sometimes they do things that, that need, that warrant a spanking possibly. You know what I mean? Again, but you still got to let, let this person know, like, let them know, like, I'm not here to abuse you. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't about to get no belt out in a racetrack or whatever. My mother beat me with a microwave door one day. <laughs> <laughs> she killed me. She killed me once. That's what they say. Nah, she did. But that that's a joke. Please don't come after her. Don't cancel, don't cancel my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, like, you know what I mean? Like you generally you, you might get beat, you might have got a, a whooping with a belt. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna get the belt. Like my son don't know what that means. You know, like, I'm gonna get the belt. Daddy, are your pants gonna fall down? Like he don't know what that means. Right. <laughs> that's but, dope. Yeah, yeah, he don't know what that means. I had said that to my little cousin once, and he bust out crying, and I was like, I was hurt, like, because I was just messing with him. That was like I was taking my belt off, and yeah. he was, like, hurt by that. Like, started crying, like, he thought he was going to get a spanking. But I don't think that you do it, you definitely don't do it out of anger. I mean, you be angry enough that, like, come here, man, god dang. Right. I want to spank the kid, but um, you just got you got to know your, your boundaries. You got to know that if you're upset, that you got to have another person that could tap in for you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's the that's the key to having that's the goal of, of, of you having a, a two-parent household that somebody else can can tap in when you're when you're at your wits end. Mm. Feel like that I'm angry enough that I might just pop hit them too hard or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's always my my biggest fear. I'm a 300 pound man. Like I don't want to at all hurt my son. You right. know what I mean? Like right now, I could just talk to him, but like I'm gonna pop your butt. You're like, no, I don't want you to pop my butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you gotta think about like what you were saying. Like, if you got a daughter, you don't want nobody telling your daughter that, like, I hit you because I love you. You know mm. what I mean? Now you gotta kill a fool because you know hit your baby. My mom didn't care about none of that. She beat the hell out of me. And <laughs> if you joke about it now because she's like, You're gonna be so militant. And so when people say, like, you know, um, they use different tactics to kind of you know reprimand their kids. Even though I don't have kids, it's already embedded in me that I don't know if I'm going to be the type of parent to just talk to my kid because that's not what I was taught. 
it's tough because with kids, it's a learning experience. They're doing stuff because they don't know. Right. They test the boundary. So it, it has to be some talking involved mm-hmm. in this situation. Like you done did it, you done, you done talked about it, you done made sure they understand like why they shouldn't do such and such that they shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, you know what I mean? Like, all right, this is the consequence for that behavior. So that's definitely from, from slavery then. Cause think about like the whipping, like that has to be directly from slavery. Yep. You were doing something you didn't want them to do or you talk back or whatever. That's tough, man. Cause I, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how I would change that. Yeah. It's, it's very, very tough. You know I mean? Cause like I said, like that's what we know and we do what we know. And right. we know you do better. Like if you know better tactics, you'll do better tactics. Granted, I do know some other tactics because of my work, I'm I was a behavioral specialist for a number of years, right. so I know how to talk a person through that. But that can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, that, that spanking is a shortcut essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shortcut. You know what I mean? Because I can easily be like, "Oh, I need to describe your behavior, and you know what I mean, give you a consequence for it, and then come back to you and regroup and make sure you understand why this happened." Mm-hmm. That takes some time. Yeah. That takes some time. Like, but if you at your wits end, you you just woke up and this motherfucker <laughs> done poured the poured lotion all over the floor someplace, like you like, hey, don't do that no more. <laughs> right. But something's warning. Like your kid about to run in the street. No, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, because it scared you. So you're gonna, yeah. you know what I mean, react that way. Yeah. yeah. I get you. Some generational curses can also be hereditary though, too. That's a fact. For me personally, um, alcoholism runs in my family. Same. Um, yeah, it's not on purpose, but you know, some people just overindulge. Mm-hmm. Um, that started from a long, long, long time ago. Like even, um, you know, my dad didn't really know his father, and I don't think his father knew his father. But they were told that you know they drink heavily. Mm. You know, I drink heavily, not to to the point of you know where it's like messing me up or anything like that, but. It is a generational curse that I think they try to um, break within mm-hmm. our our family, but just something that just kind of kind of happens. We just we party really hard, you know. And so I don't think a lot of people realize. Like, yes, it is something that can be treated, but sometimes these things happen, and you don't even understand why mm-hmm. until somebody actually sits you down and gives you the history of how it took place in your family. Yeah. I agree. My family, both sides, both sides of the family is alcohol and drugs. Yeah. So I'm just grateful, man, that I just don't have that personality. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. And a lot of my, a lot of my cousins, man, they, they didn't jump on that boat either, but alcohol and drugs was something that was heavily discussed, you know, throughout my life, even at an early age, my pops, we volunteer down out the cables and stuff. And throughout the community, and we, he had he ran a drug mobile, uh, and he was teaching people like not to do drugs and stuff, but he smoked weed. So, <laughs> is weed really a drug? Nah, I'm talking about back then. This is before right. we know we know now. So I never indulged, you know what I mean, until late, late, later in life. Right. Mm. Um, like I'm not a drug guy at all, but I drink. Yeah. And I really, I, I, t- I think I took to drinking too because I didn't want my dad was a smoker. So I was like, whatever he's doing, I'm not doing that shit. Obviously. Mm-hmm. I always kind of set in my mind, like, if I'm if I'm angry, I don't drink. If I'm in a bad mood, I try not to drink, because that's how habits develop. 
Yeah, so you don't use it. At, you know not to use it as a coping mechanism. Right. As a coach, right. Probably going to be there when you're done. Right. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I... I'm pretty much in the same boat. Like my father was a was an addict. Like I've heard stories of like the PCP version of him naked on East Capitol Street, mm. which is a busy street here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been like, nope, I don't want nothing to like. And he always told me like the reason he wasn't around was because of the drugs and shit. Mm. So like I don't want to do nothing that's gonna keep me away from my family. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's gonna keep me away from people. Like does that that that's that messed up. You know what I mean? Like, so I never, like, I've never tried anything hard at all. Like I barely drink. Like I'm a super social drinker. Like if I go out, like I ain't one of the people be like, I ain't trying to go out. Cause I ain't got no money to drink. Like I don't need a drink. Right. You know what I mean? I've never been like that person. Like I, I barely like the taste of alcohol, but I, from what I understand, most people don't You just wait for your, your gums and shit to get numb. And then you'd be like, all right, I'm cool. <laughs> right. I mean, but I guess some people, some people don't care. You know what I mean? But it's never been, never really been my thing for that reason. You know what I mean? I have other family members who I've seen struggle with addiction. Like, I mean, the crack, the crack epidemic hit my family hard Yeah, on both sides. You know what I mean? Like all types of ways from motherfuckers selling drugs to people using drugs to all of it. You know what I mean? Full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never wanted to be a part of that at all. Never wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. Good though. At least you saw like the 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 negative effects of it. Um, and I'm only pointing that out because I think that even though sometimes it's something that uh is seen in, in my family personally, everybody that does drink heavily, they're all very, very successful. So then you think that it's okay. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you don't really see the negative effects of it. You're like, oh, you know, this person is a professor. You know what I'm saying? Like this person is a teacher. You know what I mean? Right. So you don't really think of it as something that's bad. So you don't mind the fact that it's something that just kind of keeps trickling on down the line. Right. Until it happens. Yeah. You know? One of the things you mentioned was um, the crack epidemic. Crime. That's another thing. You know, criminal behavior. Oh, yeah. Like that is another, I think, generational curse. There's so many street dudes that's you know, got street kids, like it just goes on and on. And, and some of us wear like a badge of honor. I remember when I was younger, I, I did think that was cool. We all kind of know how that story goes. Right. Like, streets. I mean, some people make it out the streets, very few, but you don't make it out unscarred. You're going to serve some time with something. Yeah. And I started seeing people ask the question, like, if you're a street dude and now your kid is a street dude, did you fail? Absolutely. Because the point of the whole point of being in the street is, you know, you're trying to do better, right? Or because now it's kind of popular to just be in the street. But I think that's lame. And I think a part of that is, again, those generational curses and people in your family being aware of, somewhat aware of those, try to make you do a little bit better. Right. Um, it was like one, on my father's side of my family, it was at one point where I, I was the only male who never been to jail hmm. in the family. My, my my mother's side, I'm the first, like I said, the first male to go to uh college. Um, but then you you look at it like you be you be young and your peoples don't necessarily, the generations before your parents don't ne- don't necessarily make you stray away from the street stuff. Right. You know what I mean? It's sugarcoated for you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know 
about you, Whitney, but I know here on the East Coast, if somebody, if your uncle or somebody was locked up, your grandmother tell you that he in the service. He'll tell people that, oh, yeah, he in the service, he overseas, he away at school, but he really in jail. Yeah. Like, so you, this person come home and you celebrate this person, like, oh, he back home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I talk to my son all the time, like, of course, he's getting older, he knows about the police, and he watches stuff on TV, and he, he knows what jail is. He knows what, like, a thought that people could go to jail, the police take you to jail. Mm. He'd be like, Daddy, is he going to take you to jail? I'm like, no, we're never going to jail. You know what I mean? You got to let your kids know, like, the jail ain't fucking cool. It right. ain't no fucking rite of passage for you to go to jail, and you come out, and you celebrate it. Nah, that's not cool in my household. The whole, like, prison thing, man, is 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 tough because it's, I think it boils down to exposure. Like, what you expose your kids to. So if that's all they see, then that's what they know to be life. And we start exposing them to some other stuff, then they can make some different choices. Or they just know how they felt when they're there, you know? Like, I also feel like, you know, a little bit of your own uh, personality or like your your own decision-making, I don't know if I'm using the correct term, but like that'll kick in. So you're like, okay, this is what I see, but I don't like the way that this is making me feel. So I'm not going to do this. Right gonna make the decision to make this shit in the bud right now you know what i'm saying it's kind of like well i didn't like it when i uh, was in the house scared because daddy was beating mommy so i know that when i get older i'm not going to put myself in the same situation or put my family in the same situation you know what i mean um i will say that since you touched on abuse the last pile you know we, i talked a little bit about um the abuse and things that was going on in my house but i never talked about how it ended Uh, And the the way it ended, actually, you know, my mother waited till we got to an age where she felt like we could take care of ourselves. And she flat out told my, she drew a line of sand and told my pops, like, you hit me again, one of us is going to die. Well, and that was, that was the end of it. Like all, all abuse, everything stopped after that point because he knew my mother wasn't playing. Yeah. To this day, like my mother is my hero for that. And that was like the beginning of breaking that generational curse she knew that this can't continue. Right. So my mom's always has the, the utmost respect, you know, for, for drawing that line and saying and just being like, this is where it ends. That's one way to, to, to end that. You know, people that are in that situation, another way is to just leave. Absolutely. If you can get out. If you can get out, absolutely. Because um, it's not always easy to get out. Definitely not. I mean, if you can, tell a friend. You know what I mean? Tell a friend who you trust. Tell a family member who you trust. You know what I mean? Will keep you a secret. If not, there are always like battered person shelters around your area. You know what I mean? It's hard to tell you where they are. You know what I mean? For me to provide that resource for you because if everybody knew, then it'd be difficult for people to actually stay there. But I've actually done some work where I taught some parents in classes um, at a battered person shelter here in dc and i didn't realize that men stay in battered in, in the, no shelters so you assume that's like for battered women mm-hmm. you know what i mean because women are getting abused but it's men who are being abused you know what i mean by people you know what i mean granted it could be you know they I mean? may be a part of it they may have a uh, they may be homosexual or lesbian or trans or whatever you know what i mean but technically you know what i mean if they're considered a man they could stay in those shelters as well um 
and, and this happened. You know what I mean? It was actually like a gentleman there who was being abused by a straight man who was being abused by a woman. Like she was significantly bigger than him. So, you know what I mean? She was like abusing him. People like they laugh at, I know society sense to laugh at those things, but it's a real thing. Like if you need help, you should absolutely seek that help. Try to have a plan. I mean, yeah. I feel like sometimes it just kind of happens out of nowhere. You just gotta just, just go with it. But I would definitely suggest people to at least try to develop a plan because even if it's not to the level in which uh, these people are being physically abused, I know a lot of women that have kids that will just stay in situations for the kids. Right. Their parents stayed in situations for the kids. And these people, um, you know, some of them um, have different uh, religious beliefs than I do. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's just something that just, is just something within like their religion or their culture and they don't know any better. So by the time that they have kids, it's like, it's, it's kind of learned behavior, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think abuse is one, is one of those things that is a lot of shame associated with it. Um, so a lot of people won't even tell you what's going on um, because of not just for fear of, you know, the person that they love getting locked up or whatever, but just the same shame associated with it, like being seen as weak. That's how some people get you locked in those patterns because of the shame. Right. You know, molestation is another one of those that I think a lot of people get locked into because of the shame that is associated with it. Mm -hmm. I, I talked to me talk about on other pods about women that I've dated that have been molested. That's a generational curse because the person, the, the, person that, the person that molested them was probably older than them. And that person probably got molested and on and on and on. It's like, unless you do something to, to break that, you know, you kind of may be facing the same thing. Yeah. And I give a situation and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll preempt this story with, I don't know the people's names in this story. I don't know who they are specifically, but someday I was told this story that uh, was overheard at a business establishment of someone I know, whereas a little boy who was my son's age, around my son's age, went missing for several hours. And his family was looking for this little boy and they did not find him for a while. Eventually he showed up and said that he was with a family friend who the family is well off mm. apparently and the little boy started talking about his rear end hurting and he was essentially abused by this man right and the person who's telling me the story said that the family said that they are not going to press charges against this man who did this because that family is well off so it's either a situation whereas they paid this paid the family off for the little boy or they just you know don't that's the only way i could see that they did that they they paid them off but that the other family of that well-off person, the adult male who molested that child, they're sending him to Canada, is what I'm told. Like, so y'all gonna send him to Canada, he can do this to somebody else. Right. So the little boy who was abused later on in life, he could do this to somebody else. Exactly. Because it happened to him. You know, I mean, that's how generational curses work. They keep on, you know, what I mean, they just keep going and going, you know what I mean? Because people, because people they accept money for something. You know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? They just don't know any better. Like, if you're doing bad and somebody like, oh, we'll, we'll give you X amount of dollars and you know that money going to take you out of poverty. You ain't even thinking about the long-term effect that this going to have on your child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that shit hurt me. Like, because I, I told the person that told me the story flat out, here I come with the gun and somebody touched my child. 
and I'm not going to make it slow. That's terrible, man, because what people don't realize, you only got one time to be a child. Once. So that's why I'm very protective of my nieces and nephews. I'm always just watching, you know, people around them, any sleepovers. I Obviously, there's certain things that I can't control, but I try to remind my, my siblings, like, hey, man, you know, keep an eye on that or, you know, watch these folks or just be mindful of who you have your kid around because it, it only takes a moment and that kid will never be the same. Right. And those kind of things, like you said, get passed on to the next generation unless you get in front of it. Absolutely. And with, especially with dudes, I think a lot of dudes are afraid to say anything Absolutely. because you're supposed to be a man and a lot of that stuff probably goes untreated. It's a lot of dudes that was, you know, touched wrong by the babysitter or the priest or, or you know, Reverend somebody, so somebody, you got to watch other kids around your kids. That too. They, they, they're kids. You don't know who touched them or did something to them. You know what I mean? But they, they, could be, they could be slightly older than your kid and know a little bit more and, you know what I mean, coerce your kid to do something. That, no. Happens all the time. It's usually your cousin. I walk always, I watch motherfuckers always around my kid. I, I, I need to know what y'all doing. Y'all good? My right. son, no, ain't nobody allowed to touch his penis and he better not touch nobody else's. I've made that very clear to my, my niece and nephews. I say, anybody ever make you feel uncomfortable? Even me. If I make right. you feel uncomfortable, say something to somebody. Absolutely. You know, just, just, just because, like I said, man, you, you got one time to be a kid and somebody can take all of that goodness and that innocence away in a moment. I don't even see how people do that shit. I mean, I, again, I guess because they were hurt themselves, right. but hurt people, hurt people. Or it's hereditary. Sometimes, I mean, I watch a lot of Law and Order. So. Yeah, they do say that. Yeah, because Olivia brother was, you know, he was a rapist too. See? And their father was a rapist. Exactly. Mm. I would say that's that. I mean, people may not really realize it, but that's also a spiritual thing. And, you know, we can get into that later, but a lot of times those people that were molested or mishandled as children end up later being promiscuous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not always, it's not always the case. Some people end up kind of not being sexual creatures, but a lot of young women, what, what they don't realize is maybe men too. I'm just speaking from like my childhood. A lot of those young women that were molested were the ones that was fast, quote unquote. Right. Um, and they were the ones that was dating the older men or whatever it is, or that kind of stuff leads to teenage pregnancy. Um, you know, kids having abortions, leaving kids in the trash can, like a lot of, a lot of kids that were molested ended up making like adult decisions at 13, 14, 15. Yeah. And you notice like that stuff is really passed down. Like how many women or men do you know that have had kids at 15 and then their kids have the kids at 15. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a um I had a family member and I, I res- another person I respect tremendously. She she was a teenage parent and she called hell. Like everybody was 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 dogging her, talking crazy about her uh forever, really. Um nobody, nobody loved on her. And she did everything in her power to make sure that her kids did not have that same experience, you know. All of her kids are doing well and they're in college. Um, but I just remember growing up, like it was like a scarlet letter on her because she had a kid early. And I don't know if she had suffered from something prior or what may have happened. Who knows? But 
she came out of it. Like, gainfully employed. She's probably one of the hardest working people I know. She's a, a, a wonderful person, man. But I, I just remember growing up how bad everybody treated her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that she really broke that curse, you know, with her kids um, and made sure none of them, you know, did the same things. So let me ask you this. After how many generations is it considered a generational curse? I'm going to say three. Okay. Because yeah. the first one, the second one, like eh, somebody else did this and then they have it. But if it happened consecutively, three consecutive generations, I'm going to say it's a curse. Yeah. I mean, I would say two or three because it, it, it really is just learned behavior. It's what you saw. Right. So I think anything that you saw that was negative, that does not lend to a better quality of life or whatever, can be considered a generational curse. So what, what I found out later was that my grandfather was beating my grandmother. So that's probably where my dad got it. But the shit stops with me. Right. But so, yeah, I got my mind set on that. You think about this country, this country is set. It's, it's foundation is a generational curse. Mm. You think about racism. Racism is inherently yep. an American tradition. It's a generational curse because yeah. racism is taught. Yep. You know what I mean? Through stereotypes, whatever. It's actually taught to people. Like I listened to a speech a guy was giving yesterday where he said his father told him that black people were violent, lazy people who always were on welfare and drugs. And he said that his father, while smoking weed and using food stamps, told him that. But he was smart enough to say, no. Right. I mean, but you think about like racism is a generational curse that we all suffer from. Yeah. We all suffer the effects of racism. For sure. With the Chipotle earlier, a white police officer was talking to my son. He was in line in front of us. He was just trying to do his job to make people more comfortable with the police because he said a little boy around my son's age had went missing yesterday. Mm. And the little boy had wandered off and they had found him. But the little boy was scared to have contact with the police, especially probably white police. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So like this guy was like, he felt like it was his his duty like to try to show that he's nice to my son. You know what I mean? He, he thanked me for letting him like be friendly and talk to him and stuff like that. But you realize like that's a generational curse that we all suffer from. Yeah. You know what I mean, because you go somewhere and it's like, eh, this town look racist. You know yeah. what I mean? You've never been there before. You know what I mean? That look like a racist place. Let me go in this Walmart in this hick town. Hopefully I see some black people. You'd be like relieved when you do see black people. Mm-hmm. Some black people be like, oh shit. <laughs> All right. I ain't the only one here. <laughs> What's up, brother? Right. <laughs> App up and all that. Uh huh. They, they won't even speak to you. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> what do y'all think about failure? And basically, like, you see a lot of parents tell the person that, that your, your, your dad ain't shit or your mom ain't shit, you ain't gonna be shit. Or, you know, you have parents sometimes that'll crush their kids' dreams. That's definitely a generational curse that people, I'm not sure how, how far back that one goes. You know what I mean? Because it seemed like, we came from a place of empowerment. Mm-hmm. Like as a people, you know, I'm just speaking for black and brown people. Like we've come from a place of empowerment, like after, at least after slavery. Mm-hmm. But you see it a lot, unfortunately. Your kids tell you that they got grandiose dreams that they want to be an astronaut. You tell them, nah, you need to be a bus driver. What the fuck? You want to be an astronaut? Like, don't care your kids' dreams. Help mm-hmm. them achieve them dreams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that they can break their generational curse, get out of poverty. 
Because most people living in poverty don't even know that they living in poverty. Yeah. Do you think people are doing that because they're basically just putting their fear or their trauma uh, and their own personal limitations on their kid? Absolutely projected. Uh, uh, they, yeah. they know that they can't achieve, so. Or being <laughs> jealous. Jealous. Or um, I feel like uh, some parents use it as a sense of control. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do believe that only because it's like, okay, well, I don't want you to do this. So I'm going to make you feel like you can't do it. Not right. That's going to affect them in other areas of their life, because if it is something that they want to do, and it is something that's achievable. They're not going to even have the, the willpower to even go out and try. They might think that they're actually helping their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, well, I know that in the real world, being an astronaut is not achievable like that I mean it is anything is achievable but it's less likely or they, they they try to find a line with trying to push your kids to reach goals and, and reach for the stars but they also got to teach them to deal with the reality but I think you just need to let your kid fail man yeah like, that's what I learned. Give, them, give them enough push to, to get them to where they could try you know pour into them get them whatever training whatever let them know it takes hard work, but you got to let your kids fail. Right. Shoot for the stars. Hopefully you'll hit the moon. Exactly. If I had a kid, that is exactly what I would tell him. That's where I'm at with it. I'm like, my son say it all the time. He's three. So he says, like, I want to be an astronaut. You know what I mean? Like, you might change. I wanted to be a dentist when I was a little kid. Right. But, um. You wanted to look in niggas' mouths all day? I thought so. When I was a little kid. I don't do that now, though. I, I didn't go to dental school. But. That's what I'm gonna tell them though. Like, shoot for the stars. Hopefully, you'll hit the moon. Yeah. You know what I mean? You still, you still up there. You set the bar high. Like, don't set the bar super low. Like, right. you can work for the government. Like, that's how I was. Like, my mother said, my mother got pregnant with me. She was 17 years old. She had me when she was 18. A month after she turned 18, she had me. Hmm. A month and 11 days. But she said, at the time we lived in public housing when I was born, she hmm. said people was getting like, oh, we could get you on the list so that you can get you an apartment around here. It's like, I don't want to live around here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, quit your job, girl. We, we can make sure you get a check. She's like, I don't want to get a check. Right. You know what I mean? Granted, my grandma, my grand, my grandfather died in 1966. That was a good year. Like, again, I'm not making up, I'm not doing anything with numbers with the sixes. Right. My grandfather died when my mother was two years old. My grandmother never remarried, never went on public assistance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that that part, that generational curse never hit my family right. in that way for her to be like, oh, I'm going to be a woman on public assistance. You know what I mean? Like, so she 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 was able to push through that. Like you said, like the person you know who had a, a, a child as a teenager. Like mm-hmm. people always thought like, oh, nah, he ain't going to be much because his father not around and he had a teenage mother. That's not the case. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got to be intentional about breaking those generational curses. Yep. That was my next question. Yeah. How, yeah. How you know you, what they are. Now, how, how do we break them? Know what they are. Do you break them? Right. Like, so for me, it's about cutting the time in half. Right. And what's my son will learn. I think that's what we were talking about. Like, so I took my first flight, for instance, when I was 18 years old, first mm-hmm. time I got on an airplane. My mm-hmm. son took his when he was two. You know and I mean, so it's more than it had. I learned about stocks and all of that stuff and created my first business in my 20s. I want him to know that stuff as a teenager. Right. You know what I mean? So it's about cutting that time in half so you know how to explain that stuff to him. You know what I mean? To your kids, like, 
you got to realize what they are. You got to take accountability to realize, like, what are your generational curses? My mother was never married. So you getting married is breaking that generational curse. That I'm a married person. I'm there for my son. I'm in the household. Right. I'm in my house at three. My son being three in three years. I've been in my house around my son more than my father has ever been around me mm. at one time. You know what I'm saying? And I'm almost 40 years old. Right. So it's about identifying those. We talked about things that are, are hereditary. Like you realize like diabetes and all of that shit is hereditary. It runs, in, it so-called runs in your family, as people say. And you got to realize you got to have your kids being more active. You know what I mean? So that's why my son is super active. You know what I mean? That's why we try to introduce him to different vegetables and stuff like that. So he's eating better. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean? Try to, it's hard as hell now because he's a toddler to, you know, increase his palate. But you know what I mean? That's the goal. So that, you know what I mean? You, you're not just falling, falling victim to eating bullshit. Right. And that's where I'm at with it. Like to cut that. And hey, I ain't realized that stuff about fitness. And you know I mean, you play sports when you was younger, so you was already in it. But to be intentional about it mm-hmm. is the goal so that we can break those generational curses. Being intentional and making sure he has a good school for me. You know what I mean? Like that's why we entered the lottery here. So he's into not the neighborhood school, which isn't the greatest. You know what I mean? So we can make sure like, all right, nigga, you got to be a doctor. Right. <laughs> you got to be a doctor. Got to do something. You know what I mean? You got to be great. So wait, let me ask y'all this. And I mean, I know, Umar, you don't have kids. And I know that, uh, Harold, you do have a kid. But do you guys feel a sense of responsibility in breaking generational curses that aren't within your actual family, but more so within your community? For sure. I mean, I, I, I mentor kids all the time. I'm not so much out here, but I was big on that on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, um, Harold, you know, like your son, he's going to have best friends one day. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're going to be over at your house and we don't know like what their background is like, right? Except I, I, oh. so I told my wife that I accept that responsibility. That's what I'm saying. Prior to my son being born, like it might be one of, I might have to be this kid's father figure, somebody else's, you know, father figure, like, and I'm fine with that. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like Umar said, like the mentoring piece, like I, I used to, I was, I co-ran a mentoring organization for a number of years called Lifestyle Changes. And right now, of course, I can't, I don't have the time to, because people have been asking me like, hey, you still doing mentoring? You still doing mentoring? I got to focus on, on the, on the one that I got here right now. But absolutely, like I'm perfectly fine with that. Because I realized that that's going to happen one day. Exactly. Yeah. Realized like growing up, me and Kelvin were talking about it uh, one day. We didn't meet friends, our, our male friends in our neighborhoods. We didn't meet any of them that had fathers until we went to college. Right. I can honestly say I didn't have a lot of friends whose parents were married until I went to college. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to still have both parents active in my life and they, they got along. But my grandmother wasn't married. My great-grandmother wasn't married. Her mother wasn't married. My mother was the only one that did get married, but she did not stay married. Mm. You know what I mean? So now it's like, is the curse really broken? And then when I see my friends, I'm like, dang, your parents are still married? It's like, it's a shame that I did not, I didn't see a lot of that until I got older. One of the things Harold said was being intentional about certain things. The whole marriage thing, like, that's something you can break. 
you got to set your mind to it. Um, therapy, you know, was we talked about last time. Therapy is one of those ways that you can really break those curses. Right. Just sitting down and talking out what it is. That's a good way to identify it. That's a good way right. to talk through it and a good way to, to, to release it. Yeah. And to cope with it. Cause think about the people, like, like we said earlier, you know, the people that um, have things embedded in them, in them, that's hereditary, like rapists and stuff like that. Right. I would, I would also say um, whatever your spiritual practice is, yeah. is, is a great way to break those curses, not to push one religion or the other, but I, I really think you should pray over your kids while they in the womb, pray over your kids, pray with them when they're born you know, you're praying, you know, whatever curses or whatever it is are broken on this child. I think it's important to do that. I think it's important to, to pray over your kids, pray with your kids, and then eventually your kids will, 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 will pray for themselves. Yeah. You know, I, that was, again, John Tate, you know, before I left to California, his daughter prayed for me. Wow. She's like three or four. That blew my mind because I was like, wow. And, and I was just like, damn, how did you do that? He's, he prayed with his kids. You know what I mean? I, I think it starts as early as in the womb praying um i i would i would honestly say a lot of a lot of my grandmother's prayers are answered um in us somehow we we made it you know we grew up poor nobody's rich but we're better off than you know the generation before and i, I think that has a lot to do with my grandmother's prayers yeah so I, I think people should you know really lean into the power of prayer when it comes to breaking generational curses um and then the other thing, you know, that might be wearing you down. Prayer, therapy. That, that is my go-to. That's always going to be my go-to. I know. I don't know. I'm not hating. I'm just concerned about people that take the time to talk shit about people, but won't take time to brush their tongue. <laughs> <laughs> if you can take the time to talk shit, <laughs> you can take time <laughs> to make sure your mouth don't smell like shit. You know what's crazy? <laughs> thought about that last week. A lot of niggas don't own tongue scrapers. I got I bought mine off Amazon. Like that's why you talking shit because your breath state. So you don't you don't know no better. You just talking shit. You got a dead tooth in your mouth. Right. You know what I mean? You gotta get that shit fixed. Like okay. go to the dentist, man. Like for real, you gotta go to the dentist. Yeah, use your flexible spending. You got all that fucking flexible spending money that's gonna turn over at the end of the year and you ain't trying to go to the fucking dentist. Get the fucking clean. You already got the clean the clean to come with the goddamn health insurance. <laughs> Twice a year. Twice a year. Go to the fucking dentist. Shit clean, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know, I don't know. Well, in conclusion, generational curses, they, they don't have to be. Right. Like it, start, it can start and end with you. Right. Um, it's just about being intentional uh, with, with your decision making and, and how you live your life. I would say, uh, after listening to this pod, please just take the time to actually look for the generational curses that occur in your family because a lot of times we don't realize that it's a generational curse so i hope that everybody um takes heed to what we're saying and they use this as a way to actually identify them so that they can be fixed yeah no what's cool about the last episode people actually reached out they, they were like this really helped me thank you even if it's only one or two people that was enough for me I hope people continue to listen and we are helping somebody. Anyway, I appreciate y'all's time and opinions. As always, it's great chopping it up with y'all. No doubt. Likewise. I know, I don't know.